0: Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. Hello Ivy Church. Hello Ivy Church. Welcome to Ivy Church. I'm my Jumble. karisani Ivy Church. Good to see you. Welcome to Ivy Church. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Before a horse can be ridden or used for work, it has to go through a process of being broken or started. Now through this process, a horse learns to accept a bit and bridle and reins, a saddle, different instructions from the rider and eventually the rider themselves. Horses that haven't been through this process are unrideable, they're dangerous and of little value because they can spook easily and react violently. The best trained horses are perfectly calm they're not easily frightened and can be ridden by nearly anyone. These are powerful animals, but safe to be around. In ancient Greek, the word used to describe a horse that had been through this process is prous. So everyone let's say prous. Now you might be wondering, why on earth are you telling me this? Well, we're in a series called blessed, looking at the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are a collection of eight sayings that begin what has become known as the Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew one of Jesus' most famous pieces of teaching. Now through these sayings, Jesus is telling us who is truly blessed and it's not who you would expect. During the last couple of weeks, Anthony spoke on the first two. If you missed them, I encourage you to go back and find them on YouTube. Well, here they are, straight from the Bible. The first one, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. The second, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Today I'm going to speak on the third beatitude. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now this is going to be our memory verse for the week, so let's say it together again so we can remember it. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now you might be thinking, meek means weak. You might think a meek person is a pushover, apathetic, forgettable. Dictionary.com defines a meek person as docile, overly compliant and spiritless. How inspiring. Wouldn't you want to be like that? Well, if that's what a meek person is, then why on earth would Jesus say they are blessed? If anything, our culture tells us the opposite, right? I've come up with a real-world version of this beatitude. Blessed are the powerful, the competitive, the type the strong-willed, the self-promoting, for they shall take over the world. They're the blessed ones, right? They're the the ones that achieve all their goals and take the world by force. Think of Julius Caesar, okay? After quickly defeating Pharnaces II of Pontus at the Battle of Zella in 47 AD, he famously said, Veni vidi vici, or in English, I came, I saw, I conquered. There are plenty of books on how to do that, not many on becoming meek. But you see, Jesus says that the meek, are the happy ones, and more than that, that world conquest will in fact be given to them. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now an important piece of context, at the time that Jesus was speaking, the people of Israel were ruled by the Roman Empire. Obviously this was not a popular arrangement. For example, there was a movement of Jewish freedom fighters called the Zealots. They were people who were prepared to do anything to get rid of the Romans, freedom by any means necessary. And they were considered heroes by ordinary Jewish people. So can you imagine them, in this crowd, hearing Jesus say, blessed are the meek? Surely they'd just say to him, come on, Jesus, get real. That's never going to work. So what's going on? Who are the meek? Well, in the original language, in the Greek, it reads like this, blessed are the praus. Do you remember that word? You see, like the horse that has learned to accept a rider, a meek person is not a person without strength, but they're a person whose strength is under control. Prowse, it's a difficult word to translate. We know that some translators use meek, others use humble, others use gentle, sometimes they use the word kind. But whatever word you use, meek is not weak. Meekness is not being a pushover. It's not a personality type. It's not someone who avoids conflict. It's not niceness. It's a person whose strength is under control. You see, the opposite of meekness is defensiveness and being easily triggered. It's reacting with anger or self-pity when we feel overlooked, rejected, offended, or misunderstood. It's feeling threatened when someone disagrees with you. It's, It's reacting emotionally without stopping to think first, exploding when someone upsets you. (laughs) We've all been around a person like that, that's pretty awful, right? It's like, you feel like you're always walking on eggshells around them, scared of doing or saying anything that might set them off. You'd probably just avoid them altogether. So a bit like a horse that hasn't been trained, a person like this is unpredictable, difficult, and even dangerous to be around. You might admire them at a distance, but... You don't want to get too close. A person like this can't be blessed because I know from personal experience it's a miserable existence. But a meek person is done with all of that. They're not demanding or entitled. They're not easily offended. They don't take things personally. They're not harsh or forceful. When you're around a meek person, you can be yourself. You feel safe. You can be honest. You can relax. You can let your guard down. You don't have to pretend. You can say what you're really thinking without worrying about how they'll respond or if they're judging you. You don't feel like you're always falling short of the standards and expectations that they have for you. You can disagree with them and know that they'll listen to what you have to say without taking it personally. And really, in the end, you always feel better for having spent time around them. Yeah, wouldn't you like to be like that? I know I would. So, how would you rate yourself on the meekness scale, okay? naught, not very meek. Ten, the most meek person. How do you react when things don't go your way? How do you react when someone who works for you doesn't do what you expect them to do? Or one of your family members or your friends? What do you do when someone tells you something about yourself that you don't like? The Beatitudes form a natural progression. The first Beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit. It makes us confront our own need, weakness and inability. The second, blessed are those who mourn, is about recognising the truth about ourselves and confessing it and being really honest. Then, because we know what we're really like, we realise that really, there isn't anything worth getting defensive about. And that's where meekness begins. Martin Lloyd-Jones, famous preacher, writes that the one who is meek is amazed that God and people can think of them as well as they do and treat them as well as they do, because they know what they're really like. Jesus is saying, "Is these kinds of people are the happy ones, they've got nothing to prove and nothing to lose. This completely cuts across our popular cultural values. Recently, I saw an advert for a brand of trainers and the opening line was, Impatience is a virtue. Anytime we hear something we don't like or someone disagrees with us, it's haters gonna hate. Or if someone said to me recently, why don't you just do you and I'll do me? We get angry or upset when people refuse to do what we think they should do or something happens to block a goal or certain outcome that we've become a little attached to. But a meek person isn't too troubled when things don't go the way they expect because they've learned to trust that God is really in control. Wouldn't that be great? So, how do we become meek? It'd be really easy to read these beatitudes as a kind of moral code that somehow you just need to try harder to be more like this. And, uh, you know, there is a moral dimension to it, certainly, but there's so much more than that. In his book on the Beatitudes, The Eight Steps to Happiness, Raniero Cantalamessa writes that these Beatitudes are really a portrait of Jesus. You see, he's the one who is truly poor in spirit because he humbled himself and was totally dependent on God for everything. He was the one who truly mourned. He was broken for us. And do you know that there's only one place in scripture where Jesus describes his own character in Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 to 30 says this come to me all who are weary and burdened and i'll give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i'm gentle prouse and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls now Jesus could have chosen any number of adjectives that we might use to describe him. Powerful, wise, courageous, almighty, even generous. Instead he chose two words, meek and humble. Take that in for a moment. Now I can imagine a whole load of people breathing a sigh of relief when they heard this and at the same time some of his followers, you know one of whom by the way was a zealot, really wishing that he would go for some more go-getting adjectives you know, he's never going to overthrow the Roman Empire or make Forbes 30 under 30 with meek and humble as his character profile. But do you see what Jesus is telling us about himself? He's patient and kind. He's not overbearing or controlling. He's not demanding or harsh. He's not critical or constantly disappointed. He's not easily triggered. He's safe to be around. You can let your guard down. You can talk about what's really going on without being afraid of what he, about what he might say. You can be honest about what you're struggling with without expecting him to say, that's it, I told you last time, get your act together. He is amazing. And as you read through the stories of Jesus, you realise more and more that it was the most vulnerable and broken people who were attracted to him. He was just so different. He was meek and humble and people felt safe around him. But was he a pushover? Was he passive? Was he a conflict avoider? Was he overly compliant or spiritless? absolutely not it's just that he was the one who had ultimate power but it was completely under control let me give you an example of what this looked like in the life of Jesus the night when Jesus was betrayed the night that he knew that he's going to be handed over to the authorities and sentenced to death based on trumped up charges brought by false witnesses he was with his disciples his friends And it says this, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. All things under his power. Knowing that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and he was returning to God, he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus knew that all things were under his power. And what did he do? Did he dazzle his disciples a display of power and glory? Did he smash the bad guys and wipe them off the face of the earth? No, he got on his hands and knees and washed the dirty feet of his disciples. The King of Kings did what only the lowest servant would do. It made his disciples feel seriously uncomfortable. And also it should make us feel uncomfortable. And he said to them, and he says to us, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, because that is who I am. And now that I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you should also wash one of the other's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You know, the disciples were going to receive great power when the Holy Spirit would be poured on them. and They would have the responsibility for leading and multiplying the church. Jesus is saying, This is how I want you to use the authority and power I give to you. Not to dominate or control, or as a means to achieving your personal goals, but so you can die to yourself and love and serve the people that belong to me. You know, every time Christians and church leaders lose sight of that, it always goes wrong. The disciples, they needed this lesson burned in their hearts and minds because more than once they argued about who was going to be top dog. Meekness does not come naturally. It goes against everything that our culture teaches us. In the early hours of the next morning, Jesus would surrender his life. He would listen to all those false accusations and say nothing. Instead, he would allow himself to be sentenced to death by being nailed to a cross, the most brutal form of execution that the human race has ever been able to dream up. You see, Jesus is the one who is ultimately weak. He limited his strength and surrendered his life for our sake. So the question is, how do we become meek? Is it by trying harder to be meek? It doesn't work. We become meek by seeing him, listening to him and allowing him to change us. In Psalm 32, eight and nine, God says this, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you Do not be like the horse or the mule which have no understanding and must be controlled by bit and bridle or they will not come to you. We're all like the wild horses that need to be broken, but God doesn't want to control us and drag us along kicking and screaming. He wants us to have understanding, to know him, to know his ways and choose what's best all the while leading and guarding us. So God will lovingly take us through a process of being broken addressing our independence and our pride he changes us and makes us more like him and he's deeply committed to doing this work in our lives and he can use all of our circumstances to do that anything that means that we go through the process of recognizing how much we need him and how little we can really do without him now i'll be honest i really struggle with this you may have heard of the two conflict types hedgehog and rhino. Hedgehog is the person who shuts down, withdraws in a conflict situation, whereas the rhino explodes and goes on a defensive rampage and says a whole load of things that they wish they hadn't said later on. Well, no prizes for guessing, I'm a rhino. You know, so many times I've spoken and acted without really thinking, sometimes just being defensive out of insecurity, sometimes doing the right thing, but going about it the wrong way because I'm acting in the heat of the moment in, out of emotions. And I've been broken by seeing the pain that has caused other people. I've had times of experiencing real anger, frustration and sometimes bad moods for days when things haven't gone the way I wanted them. I really easily fall into the, oh, what's the point? I give up. It's too hard. Poor me. All these frustrations and disappointments, as painful as they were at the time, they've actually come as a gift because it's confronted me with my own pride, my own need for control, my own need to be the best. And beginning to understand that really this isn't about me and my goals. Learning to let go of the goals and outcomes that I've become so attached to. And instead beginning to understand this is all about deeply loving and serving people God has put in front of me and trusting him with everything else because I'm already loved and I've got nothing to prove. Now I would not say I'm a meek person but I can tell you I'm a lot happier and I'm sure everyone else around me is too. God is committed to leading us through this process of becoming meek. You might ask why though? It's very simple. You see this beatitude, it comes with a promise. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. God wants his people to rule with him. Now, what kind of person do you want to rule the world? It's a question we ask in this country a lot at the moment. Is it someone motivated by power and control who wants things their way? Someone who wants revenge for all the bad things that have happened to them? Or someone who is done with all of that? Someone who has nothing to lose and nothing to prove. Who knows that they're there to serve. You see, God does this work in us because he's got greater things and he wants us to be able to handle it in this life and the eternity to come. And it'd be dangerous to give us that if we're not really ready for it. I want to finish with this. In my experience, the meekest people are the ones that have suffered most. There is one lady in particular that I know. She is the embodiment of meekness, strength under control. She is one of the kindest, most compassionate, loving people I know. But she's experienced a lot of pain in her life. But rather than becoming bitter and resentful, she's been able to consistently bring her pain to God. And you can see it in her eyes, she just shines the presence of Jesus. And younger people in the church that have spent any time with her often say, I wish I could be like you. I wish I could have the relationship with God that you have. And she would always say, but you don't want to go through what I have been through to get it. If you relate to her, hear the words of Jesus today. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you that when you came to us through your son, Jesus, you came, yes, as the King of kings and Lord of lords, but you came meek and humble. You came alongside us. You became one of us. You limited yourself and gave your life for us. You became the lowest of the low and gave your life for us on the cross. And you gave us, not only did you do that for us, but you showed it to us as an example of what it means to become like you, to know you, to love you and follow you. And so I pray, would you do that work of meekness in us that we might become like you in this world and be prepared for all the things that you have for us so that people may see you when they see us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Anthony Delaney, I'd love to welcome you to Ivy Church do check out the website click on a few buttons look at some previous teaching and some of the other things that we've been involved with and why not plan to join us soon at one of our locations join a grow group do the alpha course and figure out for yourself what it is that christians believe or if you've got anything we can pray about be in touch press the contact button so that you can email us let us know about you and how we hope you can be part of us Come and join us at Ivy Church.